0: Welcome to the Ryan Holt Show. On this show, you can expect the latest, the greatest, and the best curated content on business, marketing, automotive, and lifestyle. Sit back, put in your earplugs, and let's enjoy the ride. Now, as always, I want to make sure you get the best in content that will help you monster your goals, both personally and professionally. I want to keep this conversation going. So please check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope at Ryan Holtz one, and then go over to facebook.com forward slash Ryan Holtz marketing. And we can chat there too. I also want you to visit www.ryanholtz.ca as this will be where I put my almighty beloved show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls i am proud to bring you the ryan holtz show let the beat drop and enjoy everyone welcome to another episode of the ryan holtz show podcast oh man it has been amazing uh we have an amazing guest all the way from San Francisco California also known as Frisco also known as the Bay Area also known as the tech incubator of maybe the world right now down in Palo Alto some really cool things happening there uh, but before we get into his introduction I just really want to take uh, some time to say thank you to my audience um, you guys have been amazing listeners you've been reviewing sharing the podcast um, sending tons of messages I do want to give uh, some sh- honorable shout outs uh, first shout out goes to Chris uh, Vigo so his- His Instagram handle is Chris.Vigo, and he said, "Uh, Ryan, thanks so much for doing the podcast. If more content creators like you would reach out and interact more with their audience, I'm sure they would get a disproportionate high ROI. People would comment with more substance if they knew their opinion would be very valued. It's a symbiotic relationship, as simple as that. So I hope you never change. Keep it up. He is uh, hailing all the way from Venezuela, but is from uh, Germany and I think lived in Spain, so super cool cool there uh jesse ann photo kelowna british columbia canada you mentioned on a previous podcast something about how you wish you could write like these copywriter book writing types you're doing a great job thanks so much me and my wife love your podcast uh sean uh woodworking hey just want to say thank you for the follow i've been really enjoying your podcast keep up the great work and the list can go on and on and on really want to give a shout out to kate at Tinzin jewelry uh thanks so much for just being on it and adrian leong Now, with further ado, I am sitting here virtually via Skype. uh, And look at the power of technology now, Josh. I mean, I could be in Canada, you're in wherever you want to be. And as long as we've got an internet connection, we're connected. Josh Heyman is co founder of Interact, a place for creating fun quizzes that also generate leads. Josh regularly writes about lead generation and conversion rate optimization, CRO. He also enjoys a good game of pickup basketball. We will definitely talk about that later. Um, Josh, welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so I think I want to start off the interview. The number one thing was I do get pitched to quite a bit for, for guests to come on the show, and... I don't know. There's something within like, I think it sometimes I don't even go past the subject line. I it just I can tell it's going to be something that just annoys the heck out of me. Um, the way you you pitched was very simple, um, but I think there's something to be said to that. It was not, you know, you weren't giving any razzle dazzle or, you know, you weren't really like, OK, here's why you should have me on your show. It was just a really simple. Hey, here's a concept I have for you. So could you tell me a little bit about uh your pitching skills number one and number two like you're a podcast expert dude like you've been on more podcasts than i've produced and guest on so uh why why the love for podcasts for you and why do you feel that that's such a great medium uh obviously to promote your business
1: but also give value yeah 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 i'll i'll kick it off with the pitching and that's something i've done for a really long time um i started my first sorry one second here um I started my first internet company when I was 19. Yeah, And at that point, I had no skills and no network. I was in college. Yeah, And the only thing I could <laughs> do was start pitching people. And so I just approached it as I need to learn stuff and I'm going to start asking people if they can help me learn. And so I just started reaching out to everybody. And I actually ran an interview site. It was all written, but it was an interview site, kind of like a podcast, but if you turn that into just blog posts. And I reached out to a lot of people, most notably, I got a hold of the founder of Wikipedia and did a quick interview with him via email, which, you know, it's just the power of sending an email to somebody and just asking for some help. I think that's the key to it is when you're first getting started, you just got to ask for advice and then when you go further i think the key is just providing some value so you got to figure out you know what what's useful to the person that i'm pitching to you because everybody Busy, one, your email should tell very clearly why it's useful to work with me, and that's what I always try to focus on with outreach. What would you and
0: say? Then, what would you say to somebody who's who's pitching and and is kind of like you know I don't want to annoy somebody, I don't want to seem desperate, I don't want to seem. Um, You know, just, 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 you kind of, you know, you kind of feel like maybe you're that, that kid that's like begging or, or just annoying or, you know, Hey, I want to be your friend. Like I've, I've heard so many different, um, thought processes go into just the art of pitching. And I know there's books and books and books on it, but you know, the way you did it, I thought was exceptional. It's funny. You pitched me on something that was completely different, but I kind of thought I really want to talk about this pitch because I think so many people right now are kind of struggling with that little micro email. And as you know, a lot of people say, Oh, nobody reads emails. Nobody does this. Nobody does that. I, I mean, you'd be surprised who's still reading their emails and, you know, maybe just giving you even two seconds. So what would you say? Like, what, what kind of advice would
1: you give? Yeah. I mean, people do read emails and most of the time their phone is in their pocket and that's how they're reading emails. So that's pretty much the most direct access that you have other than like a text message, which is just weird if you're doing that for business. That's just <laughs> don't go there. Yeah. Go there. I've, I've heard stories of that happening and it's just it's all bad. So. I think the key with not being annoying, with not disrupting somebody's day is to do the work before you send the email. So you should understand who is this that I'm getting a hold of? What are their goals? What are they trying to achieve with their company, with their business, with their show, whatever it is? And how can I help? And the key here is if you can't help don't send the email. Yeah. And I think that's that's something that gets a lot of people stuck because they're like, oh, I spent all this time doing the research. If you send a bunch of emails that are not the right fit, not only are you wasting your time because no one will reply, but you're going to get that bad taste in your mouth because people are going to be mad. They're going to be angry. They're going to be annoyed yeah. because you actually did. You did something that was annoying because you sent them an email and there was no reason for the two of you to collaborate or work together. So... I think that is really the essence of it is just understanding if I was in that person's shoes, what kind of email would I want to get from myself, which is kind of a weird out of the box type of way to think about it. But smart. That's though. what you really have to do. You got to think about what's in it for them. Yeah. You know what? It's interesting. I, I did get I've gotten uh, we have
0: a I have a, a text line on my LinkedIn and I've, I've actually gotten some texts from people and it honestly fe- like I was just like, dude, you're creepy. Like it, it just yeah. went past the point it's- of like, yo man, like, and he emailed me and then, and then like texted me two days down the road. And it was like something I was so annoyed about. I actually talked to my wife about it. And I'm like, yo, this dude like literally texted me. And I, I'm like, what number is this? And, and he didn't even sign like his, his, his last name. And I'm like, I don't know oh. who this is. It was like some area code in Texas or whatever. And then I'm like, okay. And I literally just went to my LinkedIn and what was even creepier is I, I clicked on the who viewed your profile And then I'm like, oh, that's got to be the dude. And then what he did was he said, Ryan, what kind of socks do you like? Because I put socks in my little, you know, mini bio just as something fun on LinkedIn. And like, it's kind of weird because I kind of thought, should I respond to him and kind of give my feedback or should I just let it rest? Because I thought I actually penned myself a note and I said, you know what, this is I'm going to actually bring this up on a podcast because I get that he was he meant no harm probably. And he's, you know, simply just wanting to connect. But there's, there's, there's a fine line between kind of being delusional on the path of like meaning no harm and then just being like evasive, you know, invasive. You know what I mean? Yeah. And,
1: <laughs> and that's, that, that is super weird and creepy. And I think, <laughs> I think that's a good example where, w- why are you connecting? What's the point? You know, if, if your conversation is starting off with something super frivolous, like what kind of socks do you like? There's, uh, you're not going anywhere. I think you yeah. have to get straight to. Like if you have a collaboration opportunity or you're interested in doing, you know, a show together, something like that. Pitch that up front. Be very succinct about what you can offer. Yeah, I just think that nobody really has time. I mean, I get messages all the time and I'm not going to respond to something that seems like just kind of starting a frivolous conversation when it has to do with work. Yes, because there's so many things that are important. That you need to respond to, that you need to be attentive to, I'm just not gonna have a conversation about socks in the middle of the day. That is not something that's gonna happen. So, I I think you really have to think about why you're connecting and then have a point to it before you even get started.
0: Well, we're in such a such a uh, immediate time-starved culture, right? I mean, with with uh, all your social channels, with emailing, with cloud with skype and uh zoom and anchor and we're just completely connected there um you know even for my company the one thing i always you know my our mandate is if you provide value you put out you know little you know micro pieces of content we always feel that the right client or the right person will find us and it's interesting even you reached out and i'm like okay cool and actually when i got your email it's kind of funny because at first i thought maybe it could just be spam because the subject line was so just okay and then i kind of opened it up and You barely even had like email. Like it was just like you were like, hey, man, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, it must be a real dude. And the first place I went, though, like I always do, if if something does catch my attention for me, I go to LinkedIn because I'm just like, I got to see if this person's legit. Right. And then I go and creep the profile. And that's when I do my creepy digital deep, deep dive and Mm -hmm. just kind of try to figure out who this person is. So, um, you know, I appreciate that. Now, I want to just kind of kick off
1: on a scale of one to 10. How weird are you? (laughs) oh that's a good question that's a good question because i feel like i get roasted a lot by my my friends for for doing weird stuff so i i'd have to say probably a seven probably a seven okay okay now walk us through
0: because when i bring on guests on the show i I like to really try to you know they might come on for their expertise in one field but i try to kind of get behind the like LinkedIn profile, if you will, and almost try to, like, if if I was your mom or your dad or your significant other, like, what kind of Josh would I see then in, in terms of that context? Because I feel like the conversation, it it just, it's, it's that much better. Now, could you walk us through just a typical day? So you're in San Francisco, California. Um, what time do you wake up? You know, do you go for a workout? Just because I, I think a lot of listeners love to know, how are other people kind of, you know, reaching their dreams and what are their their everyday rituals that are kind of getting them closer and closer and closer to that?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty big on routine and there's actually a article about me and my daily routine online that people love to find and bring up at parties and just roast me for because <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous and it does change from time to time. So right now it's a little less intense than it used to be, but I'm usually up at 6 a.m. I spend the first 15 to 30 minutes of my day reading the Bible. I'm a believer, so that's how I begin my day every morning. Then I do coffee, uh, breakfast. Then I spend about an hour sending out emails, replying, taking care of the inbox stuff, all that stuff. Then I jump on the train and head into work. I am at work mostly doing meeting shows, interviews, all that kind of stuff. From 9 a.m. to about 3 p.m., and jump back on the train, head home, do a quick dinner, uh, head to the gym, uh, meet up with my gym buddy there. We spend about two hours do a mix of cardio and weights, Mm. Uh, and then after that, head back home. If I have some sort of work event or you know party event going on that night, I'll go do that. Otherwise, just hang out. I live with a couple of roommates who are good friends, so. We'll just kind of kick it for a while, uh, and then I head to bed by about 10 p.m. and get some good rest and start again the next day.
0: Okay, I like that. Common symmetries here are uh, the whole fitness thing is is uh, crazy. You know, a past guest of mine, he just went rampant on the fa- on the fitness thing because he said, uh, "I don't know. Have you have you heard of Sean Canal? He does a lot of YouTube think think media out of Las Vegas." If you, yeah, I mean, check familiar. check check him check him out when you get a few minutes. I, I love what he's doing. He's 34 years old. He worked at Red Robin's for like 10 years serving. Mm. Um, you know, taught himself YouTube. Got into it heavy back in 2005. Um, does really really great things. But he basically said, you know, as entrepreneurs, he said your mind is constantly racing. So he said one of the one of the things that I do just to try to get a, a minute or two. Uh, just to kind of, you know, go through my day is is go for a good workout. And I feel that that's kind of my quiet time, so to speak. Um, your biggest topic that got me, and it's interesting because I'm going to lead with a Malcolm Gladwell type of a thing on this. Malcolm mm-hmm. Gladwell says, hey, it takes about 10,000 hours roughly to master mm-hmm. whatever that is you're trying to master. You said, how can you become an expert at anything? And I think that's uh, such a huge Statement. It's a bold statement um, because there's so many factors, but I'm going to let you take this conversation wherever you want to go. So how do you become an expert at anything?
1: Yeah, and it's, it's something that fascinates me because I love learning. I've always been somebody that's very curious about the world, very curious about how things come together and why certain things happen the way they do. You look at people who are in certain positions and you just wonder how they get there. And I love deconstructing that, figuring out how do I get to where they are. And that's something that's fascinated me for a really long time. So I have built a process out for when I identify something I want to become good at, how do I do it? And a few examples of this are I got it really into writing. I've been published on Forbes and Inc Mm -hmm. and entrepreneur.com, bunch of websites, done several hundred posts for big publications. And then more recently with podcasting, I did my first real show in May of last year Mm. and I've done 120 since then or more. So like three to five every single week, almost one a day. But
0: but Josh, just to interject and sorry, why why the podcast for you? Like, it's interesting because I know like I'm producing one, but podcasting is. I think it's going to explode. Has it exploded yet? I wouldn't say the word explode because obviously you have video and YouTube. I love podcasting for one simple thing. I'm not pissing you off by stealing your time. You can passively Mm -hmm. take in the content. And that's like the Mm -hmm. core of why I do a podcast. But for you as a business owner, why are you, you're donating a lot of time into getting on podcasts. So you must feel it's a great medium to send out your message. Why is that?
1: Yeah, I think there's two reasons. One of them is a business reason. Another one is a more personal reason. The business reason is that what I do and what I sell is a very new concept. And our customers really, really need to feel comfortable with myself as the leader of the company and with our brand overall Mm. before they're willing to invest time trying our product. And I've just found that a conversation that lasts 40 or 60 minutes is a much better way to build that trust and that comfortability. They can see who I am. They can see where I'm coming from with building this product and they're more willing to spend some time actually working on it than if they just read about it or, you know, saw an ad, something like that. So in that sense, it's been really effective. On a personal note, one of my favorite things in the world is just diving into topics and having Authentic conversations Mm -hmm. and it's pretty hard to do once you get into a company that's really running on all cylinders You are constantly pulled in different directions. It's it's difficult to stop and even have a conversation for half an hour so Having the podcast is just an awesome way to have more of those real conversations. And it kind of draws me back in and gets me reinvigorated to kind of go back to the other stuff, which I can sometimes find draining when I'm going from email to email to call yeah. to call, that kind of stuff. So those are really the big, big reasons for the podcasting.
0: That's huge, man. No, I, I really appreciate that. I think it's interesting as, a, as somebody who interviews, I was reading an article and it's interesting. There was um, one guy that basically said, you know, I won't mention his name, but he said, you know, I've been interviewed hundreds of times via podcasts and he said, I really got, I, I got so frustrated. I have to write a blog post about this. And he said, I've been interviewed by terrible people. And he actually put up, he actually edited one of his own podcasts where he's not even a pod, like he's not a podcast producer, but he was just a person getting interviewed and he put the decibels. So when you do audio, it shows the the speech waves and he said, mm-hmm. here's an example of a terrible interviewer. And it was all the interviewer talking. And he said, I actually thought midway through, why am I even on this podcast? So I'm, I'm looking at you and I'm listening to you and I'm like, I read this article and it kind of like, I'm like, holy crap, I'm going to start sending out reviews uh, for my inter for my interviewees to, to comment on. But I just I wanted to bring it up to you because like you love podcasts. So
1: um, but yeah, back to becoming an expert on anything. I mean, tell us more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I said, I I really like this concept of figuring out what you want to become good at and then dissecting the process and building it back up and then trying it for yourself. So like I said, the two examples I have are with writing and with podcasting and the way that I've gone about tackling those big challenges and diving into those spaces that I want to become an expert at is it starts off with meeting with people that are already good at that thing. So I'll contact people. You know, one of my one of my ones with writing was, you know, Jimmy Wales, Wiles, the founder of Wikipedia. So obviously a big writer. He owns the largest, you know, writing corporation in the world. So, you know, wanted to get some advice from him on how does this all work? You know, how do I improve my writing skills? How do I get better at this? And his thing was all about volume. And then I contacted a bunch of other people that write for Forbes and Inc and these other websites and just asked them what their process is. How did you get to where you are? And the thing that's really great about reaching out to people and asking them how they got to where they are is they're very willing to tell you because they lived it, they went through it, it's a struggle. And there's no risk in them telling you because if you want to follow the same path they did, it's a lot of work and most people are never willing to do that. So they're going to share all the details, which is amazing because you can collect this awesome pool of information in terms of how do I get to be a writer like you are? Mm -hmm. You can pull together all these different processes. So that's the first thing I do. I usually meet with at least 4 people, sometimes 10 or 15 just depending on, you know, what kind of feedback I'm getting. If everybody says the same thing, then it's like okay, that's how you do it. Mm. But if everybody's telling me different things, then I need more data. So mm. that's what I do at first. Then I jump into books and it's important that it's books and not just reading about the thing, because if you read blog posts about something, they're way too concise and, you know, it, it, everybody has a point to prove and they're probably just pitching some product at the end of it. So <laughs> if you read a book, then it you, you know somebody actually thought about this thing a lot, enough to write a whole book on it. They had to get published, all that kind of stuff. So again, same process at least four, but sometimes up to 15, depending on how different the advice is in terms of you know, different writing styles and how to become a writer and how to become better at expressing stories and all these types of things that go into writing. So you pull in these books, you read them all. And then the third step, once you've talked to people and you've read about it, is to just start doing it. And the important part about doing it is that you have to practice. And the reason that I call it practice is because in practice, there's a coach and a coach looks at what you're doing and tells you how to improve. You know, if you think back to, you know, sports, I was a baseball player most of my childhood. And when you go to practice, you're not just out there catching fly balls. Mm -hmm. You're catching fly balls. And there's a coach telling you, hey, use two hands when you catch the fly ball, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. get under the ball, like. Go back first and then come forward and you're doing it over and over and over again. There's a lot of repetition, but there's someone standing there saying, hey, you need to improve this a little bit, this little bit. So what I did with writing was I used editors to help with that. When I was writing for other publications, they would give me feedback. Mm. With podcasts, it's the same thing. You can use the host. You can use the audience. You can use people that listen to it and give you feedback. And so it's really important to have that constant feedback. And then the actual process for diving into a topic is also super important. So you have to set aside a certain amount of time every day to work on the thing that you want to become an expert at. So for me, it's somewhere between six and 12 hours a day, depending on how intense my <laughs> lifestyle is at that point. Yeah. You know, in the beginning, a lot yeah. of times it's 12 hours, and then you kind of cut it back after a while. Yeah. But the most important aspect of that Focus time is that you stop right at the end of it. So if you need to use a timer, use a timer, if you're okay, just saying, Hey, it's like nine to three, that's when I'm going to work on this, then just stop at three and you have to stop and then go do something else right afterwards. So my current routine right now, where I stop at three and then go to the gym is my cutoff point and at the gym or when you're running, your mind is completely consumed with Your physical activity so you're not thinking about what you were doing during the day you're Mm. focused on what you're doing now and it's kind of like a hard reset it's like Mm. a you know refreshing refreshing your memory almost and you stop and then the rest of your day is devoted to something else you're hanging out with people you're going to dinner whatever it is you're doing Mm -hmm. and that way you have this hard break and then you you know sleep and you start again and you jump back into the focus task in the morning. So you have this distinct cutoff and then move into other stuff the rest of the day rather than just saying, oh, I'm just going to spend, mm. you know, try to do my 10,000 hours all at once. Mm. It just doesn't work. So the two vital aspects that I think a lot of people mess up on when they're trying to acquire a new skill is you have to get coaching. You have to have somebody who's giving you feedback mm. and then you also have to have, time blocking you have to block off time and then stop so it's ten thousand hours but it's you know four or six or 12 yep. hours at a time yep. and then you stop and then you start again yeah and there's really important distinction there between that and just like trying to do it all at once which you will just burn out on super fast so, so
0: in this so in this whole process that you're saying to me is a few things that stand out number one is self-awareness obviously um because you have to be self-aware to the fact of uh, the fact of just knowing that you do need feedback that leads to ego. Obviously, if you're somebody who's willing to learn and get feedback, you're, you're checking your ego at the door. Great book, Ryan Holiday. If you haven't read it, Ego is the Enemy. It's an amazing book. Um, and it's interesting because you're basically saying research, develop and execute. So there's R&D that goes into whatever thing you're trying to master. And then the execution is huge. If I was to give myself as an example, it's kind of funny because in talking to all these guests and clients and everything and people who've done very well, you know, a lot of people say, well, Ryan, what what do you do? And it's kind of interesting. I, I'll i actually execute. So I'll do a little research, but I'm, I'm kind of somebody who says, whatever I've just read, I got to go execute on 90% of it. So mm-hmm. I kind of do this little interval set where I'll go all the way to the finish line and then I find myself doubling back doubling back and then scraping up all my mistakes that got me to the finish line some people could say is that a good way of doing it for me i'm so time conscious that you know i i feel that i'm not guaranteed it tomorrow we all owe a death you don't know if you have six months you don't know if you have 24 months so i i've always felt this urgency since i was a young kid to get as much as i could possibly get done in that day like i want to get it all in today But I understand that you cannot rush, you know, perfection at the same token. But I guess my question to you is, would you do you think somebody would be more successful at this method if they were like, okay, uh, Josh, I'm going to go. I'm going to learn some and I'm going to go execute and then I'm going to come back. I'm going to put some more learning into my bucket and I'm going to go execute. Or do you feel that somebody who's saying I want to try to learn as much and then go execute? Which method do you think? First of all, which method do you think most people do and which method do you think is probably the preferred method?
1: That's a good question. I really like the way that was phrased and I totally resonate with, you know, wanting to just do it all and then, you know, you (laughs) got to reset and all that kind of stuff. So that totally I totally get that. And There's always a balance between, you know, how much you focus and how hard you go in one day versus when you cut that off and try again the next day. So that's always something that you have to kind of turn the the levers on. I think most people tend to spend too much time in the learning phase Mm. and not Mm. enough in the execution phase. Mm. And the reason for that is because there's a lot of fear in actually executing because (laughs) here's the thing. If you try to do something and you give it your all and you're bad at it, then you're just you're bad at it and then you have to face the fact that you're not good at something and nobody wants to be not good at something and that's Mm. why most people tend to err on the side of oh I'm just gonna keep learning I'm gonna keep listening I'm gonna read these books Mm. I'm gonna go to this conference you know you meet so many people that come up to you and you're like oh give me your advice and it's like oh how long have you been you know kind of starting this idea and they're like oh a couple years and it's just you should have just started on day one And gotten the advice along the way. So that is actually a really important caveat, which is if you're going to go one way or the other, just go the way of jumping into it. If you're procrastinating reading the same book for three months before you start doing anything, that's just not going to work. It's not going to get you anywhere. But it is really important, you know, along with the coaching to continue learning as you go. So I continue reading, I continue listening, I continue you know, meeting with people who are ahead of me in my field, whatever my field is, I constantly try to gain more and more information and knowledge from people because you will stagnate, you'll get stuck mm. if you're not getting coach and you're not continuing to learn, you'll just keep trying the same thing over and mm. over again, mm. and all of a sudden you'll find yourself... You know, for a week in a row, all of those six hour blocks you have, you're just doing the same exact thing and not moving forward. So Mm. the continuous learning is what allows you to improve over time. But like I said, most people err on the side of Mm. just learning for a really long time. Mm. I never do anything. So, you know, two two points to that. Two points. I, I call it I call it in
0: my own personal development, professional development ecosystem, the football football method. Now I know you play baseball. I, I come from a huge football background, and I love the football concept because you would pra- we would practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We would practice four or five days, learn new skills, new plays, um, new techniques, and then we ha- and then we would immediately that same week for one day, right, game day, go and execute on all that. Now clearly, if we got our ass kicked. We probably didn't execute on it well. However, we got real world experience, or we could also call that broken bones and stitches. And I do have stitches <laughs> from it. Now, not only did you, it, you know, it's kind of the, the trial by fire. Now that's the football method, you know, you know, do five and play for, you know, play on the sixth kind of thing. But if we go further, what scares the hell out of me, and Jason from Nike, who I had on. He's a huge educational type of, of dude and, you know, designed Air Jordans and, you know, went to Stanford. He's in the Palo Alto area. I think I mentioned the email. And he's a complete academia. But I, I, I said to him, I said, and I'm saying to you, all these professors and teachers that teach at some of the best schools in the world, some of them have never owned a business, but they're giving you a master's or Ph.D. in business, Now, for me, and maybe I'm just more on the street side of of execution where I'm like, okay, if there's anybody I want to go and sit in a room with, it's somebody who's like, Ryan, I built a $10 million company, uh, a $5 million. Hell, I built a million dollar company, Ryan, from scratch, because to me, that person like they just they have so much experience under their belt. They went through pitfalls. They went through emotional things. They went through personal things. They've they've clawed their way to that. What do you say to that person that's a professional teacher, which maybe a professional teacher just doesn't want to leave school because they might have to apply what they've actually learned? Like, A lot of people get into that rat race, and I'm going to go critic on people, and this is the one thing I I can't stand about people, and I do love people, is some of them are so cowardly. Josh, I want... There's a great idea I have, but I want to I want you to do it first, because if you fall on your head, then I'm not coming. But if it works out for you, Josh, I'll be right beside you. And you know what? I'm gonna be an angel investor. And I got you, Josh. Like, what do you say to those people? Like, is it character? Is it is is Ryan? Am I just bitter? And I my perspective is negative, which I'm not a negative person, but I'm just a really practical thinker.
1: Yeah, I I get that a lot. And it's it can be really tough because in my situation, it always feels as if the further along I get the more people come out of the woodwork and they're like, oh, I support you now. Like you're doing great. Like love to be connected. And it's like, where were you when I was in an apartment with one other guy for a year and a half trying to make this thing work? Where was your help then? Where was your support then? And I think there's a song. I think Chance the Rapper has a song about this. I can't (laughs) remember which one, but it's a very common thing. And I think I totally get it because Josh, did you just insert Chance the Rapper into this podcast? I yeah. really
0: man, that's a whole. Oh my, I might have to insert some like instrumental from that man. I, I think I love
1: you now. Good job. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. There we go. Done. Uh, so I think uh, I think there's a lot of fear that goes along with starting something new because there's risk, and I totally get it because life becomes comfortable, life becomes easier and to jump on board with something that's very volatile at an early stage is, is scary. And I don't blame anybody for not wanting to be involved, but at the same time, I always kind of take it with a huge grain of salt Mm. when somebody comes along and is super excited about what I'm doing at this stage, when I know they weren't at an earlier stage, it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> another rap reference, like Drake with fake friends, fake friends. Right. Like, <laughs> it's just it's just that's what it is. I wonder I mean, what's on Josh's playlist. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Good for you. Yeah. So I, I think that's really the reality of it. And for anybody that has actually gone through it you can tell extremely quickly that they went through the effort. They went through the pain, the fire, Mm. their own thing. Mm. And you can, you can tell instantly that they've gone through it and you just have this instant connection and bond with them Mm. because gone through a similar type of thing where you struggle for a really long time. You know, when Mm. you actually start something, it takes a very, very long time, years. And, you can instantly tell if somebody's done that or not. And, you know, for anybody that doesn't want to, mm. it's just that's a choice. And I think the, the part where it gets frustrating is when people act like they want to be interested and then kind of back out a mm. sec and then back later once you've already achieved the success. So that's you know, those are the fake friends. But that I get where people are coming from when they're apprehensive.
0: Well, you know, I think there's this ability you have to deploy humility because I think on one aspect, you and I could go Drake and say fake friends. And then we could also go on the uh, I call it the aspect of poison gentleman slash like being a real leader where we say we understand that it's our vision. And we're saying it's our vision for a reason, because maybe not everybody has that same vision, kind of like that example of if you expect somebody at your company to work as hard as you do, then give them some fucking equity. You got to you got to make mm. the the playing stakes fair. You can't say, "Oh, I want somebody to work harder than me and then not give them a piece of the pie," right? And mm. I think that's where the empathy comes in where, you know, it's all like when things mess up as, you know, as a business person, it's it's all it's it's always my fault. It's always our fault. Like we're putting out mm. fires all day long, right? And I know that, and I think that that's one of the biggest things I've learned in business is when I came out of the gate, maybe it's just age or maybe it's, uh, you know, ridiculous, inflated, crazy, you know, non-existent ego. But I've been ego slapped. I mean, I'm so humble. You know, I'm it's it's one of those things now where I'm like, oh, I did well. Like even my wife is like, man, if you get a new client or, you know, you start a podcast or like I never come home and I'm like, yeah, like this is amazing. I definitely try to take in my wins because I think those are important. But I'm definitely somebody that probably focuses on my losses more because I feel that, If I lost, there's something more to be learned in that. You know what I mean? And that's Mm -hmm. where that humility kind of comes in. And people on the surface, I think, and, you know, back to kind of your point about the podcast was, I think when people go and do a digital deep dive, they're like, man, Ryan, you got energy. You know, you come across really aggressive, you know, but the podcast for me was you're going to hear if you think I'm a bullshitter. I mean, I'm talking for 45 minutes, 60 minutes of podcast. You're going to figure out if I'm a bullshit or not. So I'm I'm mm. I'm laying it all on the table. If I have a guest that comes on and they say this and this and that and they're a bullshitter, well they're gonna get exposed too. This this to me is probably one of the most humble, vulnerable, transparent things you can do, and uh, I really commend you for that. Now going into again that that R and D phase, how do you for the listeners that are listening that say, Josh, I'm a mom, I'm a dad. I've made stupid mistakes, I'm heavily in debt, my family thinks my idea is dumb, my significant other thinks my idea is dumb, I just can't seem to focus, like, according to them, their world is just not set up to actually go after what they need to go after. What would you say to them and what are some actionable things that they could actually deploy?
1: Yeah, so first off, nobody believes you can do anything until you do it, (laughs) which is kind of the same concept as everybody wants to jump on board once you're successful. You know, when you're starting something from the beginning, nobody has your back. Nobody really wants you to succeed. Even people that are close to you sometimes secretly don't want you to succeed because then it makes them look bad, like, oh, why didn't I do something like that? So that's the number one thing to remember is that everybody is apprehensive and negative until you do the thing and then everybody Mm. jumps on board all at once and says you're Mm. amazing and Mm. this is awesome so that's super important to remember the other thing that's really important to remember especially if you have a family and my older sister is about to have her first baby so congrats yeah
0: are you gonna be an uncle for the first time
1: first time oh good for you man it's exciting good for you good for you But we were talking about this the other day and, you know, her time is getting cut down more and more and more as the baby's getting close and there's all these things going on. And she was just telling me how she's become so much more efficient with her time. Mm. She's not at work as many hours, but she's still getting just as much done. Her feedback scores are just as high from her superiors. And Mm. I think that's a really good thing to remember, which is that You can be more efficient with your time Mm. right now. I have a lot of time. So I'm spending the six to 12 hours a day, but you can spend one. You can spend 30 minutes, Mm. but set aside that time and do the thing. And if it works, then, you know, everybody's going to jump on board and give you pats on the back. If not, then all you did was spend 30 minutes a day learning, Mm. which is that a bad thing? Mm. No. You just learned about this thing that you wanted to do. So I'd say set aside whatever amount of time you can carve out, be really focused during that time, give it a shot. If it doesn't work, then you didn't lose anything. You still have your job. You still have your regular life. But if it does work, then all of a sudden, all those people that are like, oh, it's not a great idea, will <laughs> jump over to your side and and start supporting you.
0: Mm, I think that's uh, I think that's a great uh, a great point. It's uh, I can speak to your sister, where my wife and I we just had our first child 15 months ago. But I, you know, as both thank you, as both you know, my wife owns her business and I own my business, man. And as a dude, you know, you always have you live vicariously three other guy friends that go down that path and. I can always say, like, nobody can ever describe it until you actually go through it, and I think a lot of people say that, and I understand why now, but the time is, you you look at your child, and you're like, first of all, your family, to, family will always be number one for me, I don't care about business or dollar, like, that's, that's always going to be second, health is wealth, you know, but... Um, when it comes to time, I, I definitely agree with that. There's, there's, there's little hacks I think you can do in your day. I think that you have to be, um, Ross, one of my previous guests said everything. If you want a Wu-Tang, you, let's go down the Wu-Tang path. He said, he said, I call my time. It's called the cream method. Calendars rule everything around me. And I kind of mm-hmm. like that, right? Cause he's like, you know, him and his wife, you know, are everything is in that calendar and they, they, they schedule that out. Now, Being tactful for people, if they say, okay, time is huge, I want to execute on that. If we go into the finances of people, because I find that the number one thing, I call it the two Fs. One is fear, but the second one immediately is going to be finances. Because if somebody feels they can't afford it or they're living paycheck to paycheck or they don't have enough money in the bank or they got themselves in situations where they have lots of bills coming out per month... Like anytime I somebody says, Ryan, I'm going down a venture for the first time, I always tell them, be as lean financially as possible. Like if you can save money on your car insurance bill per month, if you can save money on your cell phone bill, like like it's going to alleviate that portion of pressure so that you can put your focus where it actually needs to be. Is there is there any hacks that you can say that you've kind of found? And I, I'm looking for hacks that are like, you might think people are like, okay, that's just ridiculous. But like just some things you're like yeah, wow, that actually does like save me some time or wow, that did save me a couple dollars. Like, is there anything specific that you could you could tell us?
1: Um, I think in this area, I have a controversial opinion. Sure. On this. Bring it. And my opinion is that you should not jump into a venture until it covers your basic expenses mm, Okay. and you should figure out how to leverage your time to spend enough time on your new venture, your new business, to get it to a place where it's covering your basic expenses. Now, I'm not saying cover what you make now, but if your rent and, you know, insurance bill and all that kind of stuff combined is $2,500 a month, get your venture to a point where it makes $2,500 a month before you jump in full time. I think it doesn't really matter how long it takes something to get off the ground. Whether it takes five years because you only spent three hours a day or it takes two years because you spent your whole day on it. If you take five years but during those five years your life goes on and you're able to enjoy it and you're not stressed out all the time because of finances, that's so much better of a situation than if you work yourself to the bone for two years trying to get it off the ground with no paycheck. You end up with a bunch of debt which is more expensive to service after the fact. I'd say it doesn't matter how long it takes, but get yourself to a point where it's covering your basic expenses before you jump in. And that's also a very strong litmus test to decide whether your business is actually viable or not. Because if you can't get it to make money you know, when you're spending three hours a day, it doesn't mean that you're going to get it to make money when you spend 10 hours a day. That's just not mm. how it works. Mm. So. That's my advice on it. A lot of people would disagree and say, just jump right in. But I think from my experiences and seeing other people in this world kind of flail and have a really tough time, that's the way that I would say to do it.
0: How does somebody know whether they're being delusional? And, uh, you know, how does somebody know when they're trying to become an expert at something? When is the telltale, in your opinion, that it's not working out like You're not going to become an expert at that or you're you're on a bad path or you're you know, you're learning. You're on the learning side too much like you need to go execute. Do you have any kind of telltale signs that you think are there for people to to kind of say, whoa, put down the book like and get out there and actually go go get some real world experience on it?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of signs. The biggest one is whether you enjoy the process. And if you enjoy the process, then it doesn't matter how slow you go or how terrible you are at the thing to begin with, or maybe it's a year in and you're still really bad at it, but you love doing it. Mm. And that's, that's the most important thing, because if you like doing something, then it's not work anymore. You're just, you're doing, it's basically a hobby, Mm. but at the same time it can help build your business. It can help your career, all these types of things. So that's the number one thing. If you like working on this thing you're wanting to become an expert at you can keep going for however long it doesn't matter it could take 10 years to become an expert and you just you'll like it the whole time so why not keep doing it that's number one thing number two thing to tell if you're just not making any progress is if something feels really difficult and stressful every single time. And you're on your you know, 90th day of working six hours a day. And every time you repeat the process, every time you write a new blog post, every time you go on a podcast, it feels really stressful. There's a lot of run up to it. You have to mentally prep the night before you're not sleeping well before you know, each thing. That's a really good sign. This is not the right fit. It should start to feel more natural mm. and that plays right back into the enjoying it part mm. because if it feels natural and you like it and it's fun. Then you're excited about it. You, you want to get back to it. But if, it, if you're dreading it and you're also not feeling the joy while you're in it, then it's going to be really, really hard to keep going. You can force yourself for a certain amount of time, but eventually you're going to burn out. So those are the two things to pay attention to.
0: You know what? That's that's huge. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Do you do, you do uh, public speaking at all? Do you go do any conferences or anything like that? Do you go down that road?
1: Yeah, I do. I just got into that this year. So oh,
0: and now how do okay. you now how do you feel
1: two hours before you're about to step on a stage? I like it. I like the anticipation, the challenge Mm. being on stage is a different world because you have to figure out what the audience wants and you can you can have some prep work before to kind of know who's going to be there. but. You have to pay attention to, you know, what jokes are landing, what analogies are landing, what stories are landing, be really in tune with that. But at the same time, you're on stage, which is, you know, stressful to start with. So you really have to kind of slow your mind down while you're up there. So a couple hours before and just really mentally. And it's basically like, you know, a few hours before a, a baseball game or a football game where you're just you're really mentally prepping for this big thing that's about.
0: Mm, ah. mm, and, I like you know, that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now you, you you now let's let's uh, carve out. Okay, the balance of money, making money, and learning. What is? I mean, I've called this podcast a passion project, but it's like, what's your definition of a passion project as opposed to, I don't know, a project?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. A, <laughs> I think a passion project insinuates that it's not your main source of income and that's much easier to do. You know, if you really like writing and you just you write a blog post two nights a week after work and that's your thing, you have a column somewhere, that's a passion project. Mm. If you are running a website and that is your career at this point, it's your full time income that's a full on project. And that's much different than if you're just sitting down and doing something because you like it. So mm. I think uh, that's how I would distinguish those two.
0: It's funny because everybody talks about sites like Fiverr and giving out free content and, you know, everything is free. And Gary Vaynerchuk, I mean, he he brings that up a lot where he's like, yo, I'm giving you my best information on a daily V on a daily basis um, and he's like, I've managed to build a, a multi-million-dollar company doing it. it kind of circling back to your first point where you're saying, geez, you could you could, you know, tell the horse where the water is, but the majority of horses just won't get there. Do you are you one of those believers that if somebody who is successful literally drew the whole blueprint, do this, do this, do this? Are you a firm believer that 99 percent of people, even if they had the blueprint in their hand, would not do it? Oh yeah, most people
1: would not do it. <laughs> and is that of, is that of sheer work? Just they just don't want to put in the work. I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. I I don't I wouldn't say that it's just a lack of willingness to do the work. I think sometimes things can feel really overwhelming mm. if you have everything laid out, but you don't know where to start, or you don't know how this kind of all comes together, or you've got other factors that are pulling at you and then there's just the the decision of do i actually want to do this because mm. if the blueprint had a time stamp on it how long is this going to take it's going to say at least three years and i think it's a conscious choice sometimes i don't want to spend three years doing this i don't want to spend three years getting to this position even in, sometimes that's subconscious like mm. you say you want to do something but then you look at the actual time involved And you're like, I don't I don't want to do that. I like what I'm doing now. And I think that's actually a smart choice to make because you will be unhappy if you try to achieve something and then you end up failing and you've spent an entire year on that thing when you really had to dedicate three years. So I think there's a lot that goes into it. But part of it is the, the work that's involved. You know, everybody wants to know the shortcut to get somewhere and there are none.
0: Yeah, there are none. Absolutely. Um, Before we get into the fire round, and is there anything regarding how to become an expert that you would like to include? And then we're going to get into I'm going to give you 30 to 60 seconds to be a complete egotistical asshole and say anything that you want and i want you to i want you to give some sort of it can be anything that you would love to say it's it's all about josh it's i've listened to a couple little tidbits of some of your other podcast interviews and stuff like that uh i i haven't heard one interviewer ever ask you just to be an egotistical asshole and say whatever you'd like um i i like that stuff because i feel that People are, you know, it's kind of a little bit of the PR slash media training where you go in, you're like, hey, I'm going to say this, this and that. I'm going to, you know, maybe dissect and go through that. But um, so again, first, is there anything on the expert subject? And then boom, dive right into the ego.
1: Yeah, on the expert subject, I think we we hit on it a little bit earlier, but Most people err on the side of not jumping into things. And if I had to leave you with one thing is if you've been holding back from trying the thing that you want to do, just go try it. The founder of LinkedIn, Reid Hoffman, has this great quote that says, if you're not embarrassed by the first version of what you do, you waited too long to do it. And that applies to anything. If it's writing, if it's podcasting, if it's starting a company, if it's doing a sales call, picking up the phone and calling somebody, whatever it is, you should you should just be okay with the fact that you're going to be embarrassed by the first time you do it. So <laughs> that is my parting note on the expert thing. Just go try it today if possible. And you should be embarrassed by it. Just expect that and you'll be cool. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And then moving into the the egotistical part of things, I don't know if I have anything great for that. But the thing that's been on my mind a lot recently is that the thing that makes me enjoy what I'm doing in life in general and also with business is connecting with people, having a conversation where the gloves come off and you're just sharing experiences. Mm. I think when you start a company, if you do jump into your passion project, your side hustle, whatever, there's a lot of flack that comes with that. It's, it's really difficult. It's very frustrating a lot of the time. And I honestly think you can change the way that you feel about things By just expressing, expressing those frustrations, expressing how you feel about stuff. Mm. And people don't do that. You know, Mm. there's this kind of like machismo mentality Mm. in the entrepreneurial world, in the startup world, in the business world where it's like, I have to know how to do everything all the time. But you don't. And if you just admit that you don't and you talk with other people that go through the same thing. And so much easier to kind of shed that weight and not feel like you have to carry that burden all the time. And that's that's something that I felt a lot, especially this year. Things have been crazy busy for us. Mm. And just the ability to offload some of that stress by just talking about it mm. has been huge.
0: You know, it's interesting. Uh entrepreneurship in general and I mean man I I feel it too it's isolating you know it's it's an it's a lonely again you know going back to another guest she said you know her dad basically gave her some of the best advice ever and that was when you go into entrepreneurship like be prepared to be misunderstood and and be very lonely and mm-hmm. she's kind of thought man that's that's terrible i think in my opinion to really get where you want to go it's so funny but people think As you're climbing, you're maybe like putting more of this like domain around you. But I just think you're becoming more naked because somebody who's succeeding Mm. more, in my opinion, they're becoming more and more vulnerable. They're becoming Mm. more and more transparent and their humility, like the true successful people I've ever met that have like legit, like even money, if you want to say straight money, like there's Mm. a difference between being rich and wealthy, but straight up like, yo, I got like, screw you money. Mm -hmm. They're (laughs) so humble. Like they're, 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 they're humble. They're not, they're not weak though. Like people think being humble and humility and vulnerability, I think they associate the word weak. Mm. If you talk to them and you cross them, oh, they'll, they'll cut you. Like you're just, oh, wait a sec. Oh, okay. I seen that type A kind of, you know, but when you deal with people like that, they're extremely humble. They're, you know, nine times out of 10, if you catch them at the right moment, you say like, I just love to ask you a question more than happy Mm. to give you any information you want. Um, but they're tough, and I think that people, especially in two thousand you know eighteen now we talk about and I'm sure in the United States i mean mental health and mental awareness and bullying and workplace and you know all mm-hmm. the sexual assault crap that's going on and and all this mm-hmm. stuff that's happening in the world right now. Our world is being exposed and it's just because of the you know it's just because of the phone man everybody's got mm-hmm. a media- everybody's got a media company, and mm-hmm. I think that the point that you're going on is. I mean, you know, each one teach one. So communication to me is absolutely massive. So um, I'm happy that you said that. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of ego, though, again, you know, I appreciate you opening up, and you know, it's uh, it's it's a true pleasure. We're going to get into a, a quick um, little fire round. Uh, my first question to you is: What is your favorite social media platform if you had to choose one?
1: I think Instagram I like the creativity
0: okay uh, what is your what's one thing about social media when you see that just annoys the shit out of you like you're just, you just can't stand it or you know is it just anything where you're like I hate it <laughs>
1: I've been guilty of this myself, so I That's okay. I will, no no I would no. join in with the crowd. But when you see a post from somebody that you have talked to in real life and the post is so different, like the post is like everything's amazing. I love my life and you just talk to him about how like sad and <laughs> down they were and you're like, Come on, you're not helping the problem. <laughs>
0: Your life is good, man. Fab Friday, but you're really crying, eh? Throwback yeah, exactly. Thursday. You're like yeah. That's like, not a you're like that's not a throwback Thursday, dude. I just talked yeah. to you an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: You're like, come on. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know. Um, okay. Uh, so uh, next question: What's for dinner tonight?
1: What is for dinner? Uh, salmon, uh, teriyaki salmon, rice, Ooh, broccoli.
0: Okay. Uh, are you a hunter or gatherer?
1: Ooh, I would say more of a gatherer now. Used to be more of a hunter.
0: Okay. What 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 made you change? How did you how did you go from one to the other?
1: I mean, I, I think about it in terms of actual food and then also in terms of my kind of career and all those things. So with food, I've definitely moved more towards, you know, less meats, more mm. lean meats, if there's any yeah. uh, more grain or that kind of stuff. And then in work, it's definitely more of like bringing everybody together, creating a community, that kind of stuff, rather than mm. like a lone wolf going out, you know, mm. trying, to, trying to kill the whale or whatever.
0: Huge. You're a new addition to a crayon box. What color would you be? Ooh, probably teal. Teal. Okay. Uh, You are a weird dude. Who would win the fight uh, between Superman and Batman? Ooh,
1: Batman. Cause like just, he's way better. Interesting.
0: Okay. What is the number one thing that
1: drives you? Number one thing is my face. Okay. Proudest moment personally? Proudest moment, I got quoted in Forbes recently for the first time, Ooh. and that felt pretty cool coming from where I come from.
0: Congrats, man. Biggest professional accomplishment? Biggest professional
1: accomplishment is probably working with the United Nations. We work with a bunch of their different branches, and that's just, that still baffles me. Okay, that's cool. How do you define success? I think it's defined as when you make the difference in the world that you want to make.
0: Okay, what are you scared of?
1: What am I scared of? And there's a few things. I think failure is mm-hmm. a big one, mm-hmm. um, and then just letting people down.
0: Okay, do you have a role model?
1: I do. I do. Um, professionally, it's Jeff Bezos, okay. and spiritually, uh, spiritually, it's Jesus. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Uh, What is your favorite thing to do? Favorite thing to do anything extreme. So, extreme sports, (laughs) extreme like hiking, backpacking. I love anything that like pushes you to the limit. Okay.
0: When you think of San Francisco, what's the first word that comes to mind? Chaotic. Chaotic. One piece of advice you would give to someone who's scared shitless?
1: Go talk to somebody that is in a place where you would like to be, whether that's just not scared. So it's like somebody that kind of has their stuff together. Or if it's somebody that is somewhere you're trying to get to, go talk to them, ask them, ask them questions.
0: What do you think of somebody that's at a position that other people are trying to get to that purposefully does not want to help somebody achieve to where they are? meaning I think, yeah <laughs> just, that's
1: a that, that's a short-term way of thinking about things yeah you start to isolate yourself like that and that's the beginning of the end
0: Ooh, i like that uh <laughs> when you hear the word star what is the first thought that comes to mind wars wars okay and then what kind of cell phone do you use what's your daily driver
1: uh just an iphone i think it's a few versions back like a six or something i try not to use the phone too much because i find it really distracting and i notice that especially like if i'm on my phone at night you know my mind's racing so i try to kind of detach from it as much as possible
0: interesting okay and when you when you think of the ryan show podcast what what's the first word that comes to mind real interesting i like that now podcasts in general because you've been on them I'm assuming you listen to them in your opinion what makes a good podcast and 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 I think I'm gonna ask this is gonna be uh self-serving but not really Joe Rogan is a podcast I absolutely love for the mere fact he he like people have even told me this and I went against the grain Ryan like uh, you know business automotive marketing lifestyle that these are all the categories I talk about and people said, Ryan, you know, maybe niche it down more. And I'm like, no, no, I refuse to. Joe Rogan talks about drugs, talks about business, talks about inspiration, talks about religion, talks about everything. And he has guests from all walks of life. I love that vibe. In your opinion, is is it is it risky? Uh, going broad as, as I kind of am, but still, you know, kind of focused, or do you say it all depends on the person running the podcast? Like what, what's your, what's your hardcore upfront opinion on that?
1: Yeah. So here's my thing on podcasts. I don't think there's any risk with any way that you go, but <laughs> the risk, the risk is that I think what makes a podcast special and actually work is when people can connect to the conversation, and there's a conversation going on between you and I, but somebody listening feels Uh as if they're part of it. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the topic is, you could be talking about anything, but as long as it connects to where somebody's at in life and they can say, hey, I can jump into that conversation, I'm listening while I'm doing something else, you know, while I'm on the train, while I'm doing whatever, but I feel like I'm there. what matters it doesn't matter what the topic is you know i've listened to podcasts about all sorts of random stuff but it Mm. connects to some part of my life and that's what makes it work
0: well it's interesting that you say that too because i feel even when i wanted to do the podcast you know it's kind of funny i said you know i want to um you know i I believe that the audio quality and things like that should be decent should be good you know you should be able to, to take in the clarity but the, the formatting a lot of guests i've had some guests even decline because they i wouldn't send them questions before and it's interesting right and i said no i, I don't send questions before because i feel that that's going to give you a chance to prepare for the question no that's not that i'm trying to make you look bad or anything i'm simply just saying no 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 like if me and you were in person right now I'd just be sitting on a chair. We like I'd just be stretched back, and we just have a conversation. And that's why I think when you do it via Skype and things like that, some people I do feel like it's hard for them to achieve that realness. But for me, I'm like, no, nah, man, I no, it's it's freestyle all the way. So um, and I, it's funny because I've listened. I think I listened to about four or five different podcasts that you were on. And even if you go back and listen, you're like four or five different people. It's interesting yeah. because the inter- yeah. the interviewer brought different or not things out of you you know what i mean yeah
1: yeah and it's it's an interesting topic there's a lot that goes into that but <laughs> i think anytime there is no script it really helps things to be more authentic because whether it's pulling out you know some experience from your life or some mm. way that you think about things Whatever it is, it's it's coming from you. You don't have time to prepare mm. and be like, okay, this is what I'm going to say so I sound good. This is what I'm going to yeah. say so that this comes across great. And people can tell, you know, I, I've been guilty of doing shows where it's like, I have the questions beforehand. I know what I'm going to say, yeah. I have all anecdotes put together so I can pitch this perfect version of who I am and what my company does. And it just doesn't work that well. I think people can tell. (laughs) People can tell like, oh, great. I could just read like a QA and a on somebody's website. It's the same exact thing. So I think when you go into it raw and you're just like, what do you think about this? And then, you know, you have the opportunity to say, this is what I actually think about that and then you have differing opinions you have a back and forth yeah that's where it opens up because then it is real and the person listening has a chance to in their mind think oh what do i think about that that inserts into the conversation that's happening you know they're like oh what would happen if my opinion went in there then all of a sudden it's open yeah i think it's it's closed when the back and forth is all pre-scripted because there's no opportunity for other thoughts to surface
0: I can't speak for the United States but in Canada I mean traditional TV and radio newspaper have definitely like declined massively so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people who run a podcast and the one thing I stay away from is They want to run it like a radio station. If you run your podcast like a radio station, you might as well just like throw it away because people are wanting to listen to a podcast. So it's not an advertisement every two seconds. It's not, you know, a way of me stealing your time. It's not a way of that. It's it's just an enjoyable piece of content, you know, and I mean, yeah, the podcast is uh, I'll tell you one thing, though, from the interviewer perspective if you would have asked me on episode one, like if you ever go back and listen to episode one, I'm embarrassed. I'm I'm embarrassed on episode two. I'm embarrassed on episode three. I mean, it was, oh, you know, I went back and I'm like, it's taking everything in me not to delete those things but i'm like no 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 no. i have to keep it real yeah i'm like i have to keep it real but um no no i appreciate your feedback um again uh as we kick off here please tell uh everyone uh a little blurb about your company how they can reach out to you uh and then we will get into our final thoughts
1: yeah so my company is called interact it's a tool for making quizzes and those seem like just silly fun but The goal with them is actually to start conversations. So somebody takes a quiz, they get a certain personality. And then as the company, you can then start talking about that. It's a really easy entry point to having a more genuine connection. So the URL is tryinteract.com. You can check it out there. I also write at tryinteract.com slash blog. Mm. I share more of the kind of behind the scenes of how everything works. So definitely check that out if you're just kind of interested and don't want to jump in right away.
0: Perfect. Perfect. And how do people reach out to you on social media?
1: Yeah. So my primary is LinkedIn. You can just search Josh Hanum. I'm the only one in the world, so you'll find me. And then also (laughs) same on Twitter. It's at Jay Hanum. Perfect. Perfect. And Josh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get Gary Vaynerchuk on my
0: show too. There's some, I want to have like this five minute rapid fire with him, but Um, he, you know, some of the stuff that he does as people out there right now, I, I do like a little bit of what he's doing because out of like the Tony Robbins and all these people out there, I feel like he's giving you real actionable type of things it's very narcissistic that he has a camera following him <laughs> on a daily on a daily basis yeah. but but at the same token i think it, i think it works so um josh again if you have anything more to say say it now otherwise we are gonna end off and uh and call it a day my friend
1: <laughs> yeah no I, I love that i think i'm good uh and that was that was super enjoyable
0: perfect uh everybody uh this has been another episode of the ryan uh, show podcast again uh thank you for listening Thank you for the comments. Um, please let it be known that if you uh, even remotely pick up your phone and thumb tap one, two, three, four times, I am so humble to the fact that you're even willing to use your thumbs to type. I appreciate you. I love you. This podcast is for you. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, um, Google Play, please rate it. And uh, you can follow me at Reinholds1 on all social platforms. And we do have a Facebook uh, community called the Reinhold Show Podcast where we're trying to connect our listeners with our guests and uh, just provide value on that. So, um, Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. That was awesome.
0: All right, man. So, Josh, we're going to end off the show with saying three, two, one, boom. Ready? Three, two, one. Boom. Boom. Josh, I will send you all the links. And uh, thank you so much for coming on, man.
1: Yeah, thank you.